bring up. Did you like it? You enjoyed the film, then? I actually, I really did enjoy this film, and um, I would say out of the three I've seen, this one is my favorite. Uh, Let's see. I'll give you the quick rankings. Where do you think this one falls? Oh, this one's going to be top three, ninety-eight percent or something. Everybody. Yeah. Now we have this. I'm using movie phones rankings of these films, so this is just their version of what they think. They've ranked all the films in order. And we know that um, Dr. No ended up being, let me find, Dr. No was ranked at number five on their list. And then From Russia with Love ends up being at number nine on their yeah. list. And Goldfinger, I'm scrolling through, Goldfinger is number one. Number one, yeah, that makes sense. It says, perhaps it's only proper that the Bond film about a villain with a fetish for gold would become the gold standard by which all other Bond movies are judged. The sequel features some of the most iconic moments of, of the entire franchise, from the infamous laser torture device to Odd Job and his magical hat of death. This is where Sean Connery reached the peak of his rugged appeal as 007, and we're not sure any actor will ever be able to top him. It's fair. It's a fair, fair comment. Fair That's review. their. Uh, so our, uh, it's got everything. Goldfinger's got everything. It set the benchmark for all the Bond movies to come. Now, set, dude, where did? Do you put that at your number? I know you're a, a Roger guy. Can you put aside your love of Roger and say this is actually the number one, or do you think there's a better? Yeah, I, yeah, easily all day long. Yeah, easily. Yeah, it's got uh, Doctor No started it all, but it's a little bit, little bit basic. From Russia with Love is a classic, great thriller. It's got some great moments in it, but Goldfinger is a leap beyond in all in terms of action and the character and all the rest of it. It's a great film. It's got everything. And it, it's a fun watch. It's, it's a fun very... watch. It's got a great villain. The plot is makes sense. I mean, the bombs all. It's it, it's it's good. I like it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who I like better, the villain or his sidekick, Odd Job. Well, they I mean, I lo- they come they come as a pair, really. I mean, I love Odd Job. It's just yeah, Odd Job's a... great. Ah, uh-uh. ah! I love the way he keeps. All he says is ah, uh-uh, ah, like this. Yeah, he's the perfect. He's mute, isn't he? he? Can't speak. Yeah, in the book, he's got a cleft palate, and he, only uh, 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 Goldfinger can understand him. That's what the book is. In this, he's just he's Korean, and he just doesn't, uh, just doesn't speak, speak well. Yeah, he's or maybe he's mute. Thing. I don't remember. But uh, well, let me run off a couple of facts here, Mark. We'll we'll discuss as we need to, and we can wrap up our our Goldfinger episodes. Um, my notes have this as this movie was the fastest grossing movie in movie history yeah, when right. it was released and is, was entered into the Guinness Book of World Records for its how fast it, it made money. Hmm. Now, I'm how sure that's made, changed since. I mean, with the, it, made it, it made its budget back in two weeks, I think. Three yeah, million, I mean, three million dollar budget. And, that, and again, that was only in England. Yeah. And that's going some. That's I mean, that's, that's going some. It never even got to the States and it already made its money back. Right. Uh, I think we. We touched on that Aston Martin was initially reluctant to part with two of their cars. Yeah. Um, and they said the producers had to pay for the Aston Martins. But after the success of the movie at the box office and uh, for the company, they never spent money on a car again. No. no. Uh, let's see here. I got uh, Connery never traveled to the United States to film any of the movie. Yeah, apparently every, not. Yeah, every scene time. in which he appears in the U.S. was actually filmed at Pinewood. Studios outside London uh, explains why Bond flips the light switch down to discover the golden corpse of Jill as British light switches are generally turned on by flicking them down instead of up. Is that true, Mark? Is that a fact? Um, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, that is right. Yeah. I'd yeah. not thought of that. Yeah, that's the little, uh, you know, the more you know, Mark, the more you know. 
Uh, let's see. Let's, let's. I think we touched on. Uh, it says here the recreation of the Fort Knox repository at Pinewood Studios was incredibly accurate, considering no one involved in this movie had been allowed inside a in real know. location for security reasons. Mm -hmm. The set looked so real that a 24-hour guard was placed on the Fort Knox set at Pinewood so that pilfers would not steal the gold bar props. Yeah. And then, of course, a letter to the production from Fort Knox controller congratulated Sir Ken Adams uh, on his team on the recreation and Goldfinger's 3D model map that was used in the Operation Grand Slam is now housed at Fort Knox, which That's I right. believe so, you and I saw that, right? I believe we saw that when we went to the... Yeah, you have door. to maybe scour your pictures. If you have any pictures that you... Know, I will. I'll have a look through. I will. So send them to me so I can put them in here. Um, I have the note that the producers wanted Orson Welles to play Goldfinger. Did you know that? Yeah, but he was too expensive, I imagine. Too expensive. Hmm. Uh, they got Gert Frobe. Frobe. I always say Frobe. Yeah, Gert Frobe. But he's German or Austrian German. Gert, yeah. I think there's Gert Frobe. But I always say Frobe. Well, they say that he even he began arguing over his salary. He wanted ten percent from the movie's earnings, prompting the producers to wonder whether Wells would have been cheaper after hmm. all. <laughs> but uh, I don't know how they ended that. I'm sure they. Gert I'm sure Frobe. Right, and it was it, it was some other guy dubbed most of his voice. There's only a couple of times in the film where you hear Gert Frober's actual voice. Most of it is Michael Collins, some guy doing doing a voiceover for him. Yeah, I um, saw a clip, a uh, little interview with uh, uh, what's her name, uh, Honor Blackman. Blackman. It was talking about when they were doing the scene and they're out there just sipping the mint juleps. That she goes, I didn't, I didn't, couldn't understand him when he was mm -hmm. talking. Because they told him, he said, you just just say your lines and we'll, we're going to dub it, so don't worry about it. And she said, the only way I knew it was my turn to talk is when he stopped talking. Oh, really? That's how she goes. That's how I did my dialogue. I just waited for him to stop. Um, and I wasn't really responding to him because I didn't know what he was saying. But yeah. I, knew what the, I knew what the dialogue was. Most of, I think there's two or three times where he says a line and it's his own voice, but most of it is, is another chap. And they Mike. did a really good job with that because I didn't oh, yeah, even notice. I think, they, I think they're sound editing in Goldfinger won an Oscar. I'll I think look at that. Yeah, we'll have to look that up. But I think Goldfinger won an Oscar for, for its yeah. I could But be I said, I, I didn't notice that until after it was over and they, somebody said that. And I was like, oh, wow. I guess mm -hmm. I thought it was just you know, typical, uh, the way we would hear a German who can speak English with a heavy accent, but you know, we can hear it. Uh, the next note I have, Steven Spielberg cites this as his personal favorite of all the Bond movies and even owns a DB5 due to the impact this movie had on him. If you could, you would. How about oh, I would love to have one of those. Oh, gotcha. Um, this yeah. was the first Bond movie to be shown on U.S. commercial television on Sunday, Sunday, September 17th, 1972, earning the highest Nielsen ratings for a single movie on television up to that time. 49% of the nation's United States televisions were tuned in mm -hmm. to ABC to watch that movie. Well, that's what we were talking about earlier. Very different times. When I grew up, if you didn't see a movie in the cinema, you would wait two, three, four years for it to come on the TV. And yeah. that's the only chance you get to see it before videos and stuff. Yeah, it was an absolute event. And, and you and I both have talked about, I, I, as a child, for me, it was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Mm. You waited and you marked your, your TV guide. And when it was coming on, I mean, it was... For me, like, it, was, it was Bond. Gold, Goldfinger was, yeah. you know... It was event, event television. That, it now was it's, event it's so TV. different. Yeah, yeah, now it's different, yeah. And I mean, I can pull up Bond on my phone and watch it while I'm sitting mm. there talking. No, when I was a kid, it was very different. Obviously. 
The other notes, uh, some of the other things I have is uh, this movie was so popular that some theaters were actually holding showings 24 hours a day to meet the demand. That's really something to think about, you know. Um, uh, Let's see. We already talked about them flying the planes low, so I got that. Uh, So the original end credits we were just talking about, which featured the famous James Bond will return in teaser. The next movie advertised was On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah, that's right. They they couldn't do it because there wasn't enough snow. They got the timing wrong. Yeah, it says, however, when the producers began pre-production, they were unable to secure the Swiss locations needed for the movie and decided to make Thunderball instead. Uh, The end title teaser was later changed to advertise Thunderball. Yeah. uh, we'd see us talk about the cars real quick. Uh, there were two Aston Martins created for this movie. One is owned by a private collector who paid over $4 million for it in 2010. The other one was purchased by a private collector in 1986 for $250,000. That car was parked at an airport in Boca Raton, Florida. Yeah, this is a big mystery. Where did that yeah. car go? In 1997, it was stolen under suspicious circumstances. The thieves mm. broke into a guarded Boca Raton Airport, the alarm wires of the hangar were cut, and even though the keys were not in the car, the car has vanished without a trace. And on December 31st, 2021, it was reported to have been located. So I will see if I can find that information and put it in the... The the last I heard about this mystery of the missing DB5, it's somewhere in the Middle East, apparently. That's what I've heard. Yeah, that's what the, the other note I have is it was they think it's in the Middle East. Uh, yeah. The efforts were being made to return the cards now valued at twenty five million dollars. Oh, God, yeah. Easily. For that one. If not more for the actual James Bond, Aston Martin, if it ever came back, that would be uh, easily twenty five, thirty million. Easily. And I wonder if if either one of them, did they have the gadgets on them? Well, the one, yeah, the one that disappeared, I think, was a full gadget car. Had the gadget. Yeah. yeah. So God, how cool oh, would yeah. that be? <laughs> yeah. How great would that be? Uh, Goldfinger was the first appearance of the Q Branch Workshop and its gadget testing gags, mm. which we talked about. And uh, that was that was a fun scene. And I, I hope there's more of that to come. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, you see, from this point onward, Q, there's always a Q scene. I think I there... think I think I think was it Live and Let Die is the only one is the only Bond movie that Q hasn't didn't appear in until the world is not enough because he died in 1999 sadly Desmond Luella strangely enough he was coming to Canterbury to do a book signing in 1999 just after the world is not enough had been released or around that time and I had tickets to go and he was he was killed in a car accident on his way there or on his way to the hotel something like that and yeah it was cancelled oh no yeah but he was Desmond Luella and it's his first yeah he's in he's in it every every movie after that oh that's crazy yeah uh, my next note is uh, in in the Ian Fleming novel, which we we just touched on this. Pussy Galore is a lesbian, which is why she gives Bond the cold shoulder to start uh, to start with. Her team are known as the Cement Mixers. Ian Fleming based the character of Pussy Galore on a neighbor, friend, and lover, Blanche Blackwell. Okay, the name Pussy was derived from Agent Pussy Deacon, aka Livia Stella. All right. The pussy name also is said to have been named after Fleming's pet octopus. The octopus also inspired the title of the James Bond short story and then movie Octopussy, uh, 1983. Uh, Octopussy was also the name of a coracle given to Ian Fleming uh, by Blanche Backwell as a present for staying at GoldenEye. So I don't know if I assume that's true. It's on the Internet. It's got to be true, right? 
Got to be true. Uh, this movie, like you said, uh, earned its production costs of three million pounds back in two weeks. Which yeah, that's correct. That's happy. that's really going hard. Eh? That's good. That's got to make the producers pretty happy. Mm. This is the only mart- movie where Sean Connery's James Bond orders a, mas- a martini shaken, not stirred. Um, in Doctor No, nineteen sixty-two, everyone who served him a martini said it himself or herself. He never actually said that or asked for it. Uh, and it says, according to this, this is the only movie where, where Connery actually says that. Okay, but it's become lore, so mm. it's kind of what it is. Uh, interesting. Have you ever fact- had a, just just off? Have you ever had a vodka martini? I mean, I've never had a drink of alcohol in my life, Mark. Oh, so. have you not? Haven't you? That's right. I, uh, I'm a total. Uh, That's right. I forgot that. I don't know what you call it. I guess I don't. I don't, I don't label myself in anything. I just you like your take. PG tips. I've educated you well. You like. I like PG my tips. I like my Coke Zero. I like. I tried, uh, a, I've tried a vodka martini once or twice over years, and they're a super strong drink. They really are. They're quite well, full of. And I noticed too that he doesn't always drink. Um, martinis mm. i mean at least in the books he's drinking uh, whiskey and oh and yeah and yeah he's not exclusive to it but it, no. it's become so iconic that that's what you associate yeah, no, martini with bond he's got a very broad, broad uh, he'll drink about anything and have sex with about anyone he can get yeah. his hands on. Yeah. uh interesting fact here long before led zeppelin ever became a household name a london-based oh, yes. session guitarist named jimmy page Featured as a rhythm player on the title song under the direction of composer John Barry. Page revealed this little trivia nugget during an interview with a guy named Jeff Coons. Yeah, that's so, great. Eh? Jimmy Page great. plays on um, Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Interesting. Great, yeah. uh, it says here, according to uh, or Goldfinger, the 1964 values Fort Knox held $15 billion worth of gold. His line is, in its vaults are $15 billion, the entire gold supply of the United States. If adjusted for inflation, that amount would be equivalent to almost 115 billion as of March 2016. However, since the price of gold has appreciated almost five times as much as the rate of inflation, that amount of gold would currently be worth 520 billion dollars. Wow, that ain't bad. That's pretty good. Yeah, or Goldfinger. Uh, the last couple things I got here is um. I think we touched on Tilly Masterson's Ford Mustang was supposedly the first appearance by a Mustang in a movie. Is that right? The Mustang, the Mustang was introduced in April of 1964, and this movie was released in December. Ford supplied many of the cars in the movie, including the CIA agents. Ford's always given cards to, well, Ford cars are usually in Bond movies. Huh? Yeah, I mean, how can you beat it? It's going to be seen by everybody, and everybody wants a Mustang after that, so. Um, and the last thing I've got is uh, our boy George Lazenby and Pierce Brosnan have both named this as their favorite Bond movie. Yeah, it's a great Bond film. It is a classic. I'd easily number one. Yeah, easily. Yeah, I mean it. it again, I, it's it's one I could see myself watching again just for the fun of it. It's a mm. it's an entertaining film. If it's on TV here, I've seen it countless times over years. But if it's on here, I'll watch it because there's so many great scenes and lines in it. Yeah, I'll, I'll is it, it on one it. of those movies for you? And and I we we'll, maybe we'll do an episode of this later down the road where we talk about other movies. But there are a handful of movies that I love, and if I walk into a room and it's on, mm. I'll just stop. I don't care where the movies are. I'm like I'm watching this yeah. movie. I'll watch it. Yeah. Is that what definitely. Goldfinger is for you? No, yeah, on? Yeah, like, well, I'm in. I've always liked it. That's awesome. Mm. That's what I mean. That's why I was so amazed when you took me to Fort Knox 
and we stood outside. It was just insane to be there. Yeah, it's great. Golfing. Well, I get it now, and I wish I'd have known it then because I would have probably, in hindsight, I wish we'd have tried to go in to the fort and drive <laughs> I think around. We probably, probably got shot, I would imagine. Well, they probably would have said, "Who's this Brit?" And I would have yeah. said, "His name is Oric." Or a Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Wait, is there a history. problem with that? It's a great play. It was very. It was a. It's a real thrill to see it. It's great. Well, uh, you come back over the next time. We will try to go in because you could get in a lot of the forts. You can go in and visit. It's you, there's areas you can't go, but you can drive in. Hmm. Also, we just got to go to the gate. So all we're trying to do is get to the gate real quick. Snap a couple pics. Hey, I'm from England. Here. Can I come in? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. that worked on a lot of things. It you worked did on a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from England. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, Mark, I don't have anything else. That you, anything else you want to add about this this great film? There's one last thing that we haven't discussed, and it's worth having a look at next time you next time you watch the film. I thought about it the other day. In the early scenes, when he's at the hotel in Miami, and C Felix comes to find him, and he's having a massage. Dink, yeah. the girl's giving him a, a massage. When he slaps Dink on the bottom, and off she goes, oh. so he can have a chat with with Felix. He's getting dressed. He's just in a pair of like blue shorts or something. He puts on Bond's all about the fantastic cars, the gadgets, the action, and it's all about the the way he looks as well, the style, the suits, what he wears. You take a look at what Connery puts on in that scene. It's like a baby blue toweling romper suit, and he sort of yeah slides into it. He zips it up and then puts the clips the belt across it. And you look at it, and you think it's something you put a seven a seven month old it's baby in. It looks like a romper suit. It's, yeah, it's a romper. I will, I'll definitely out go, and have, go and have a look. Yeah. We'll end this episode, and I'll have on a different Sean picture Connery's, that. Sean Connery's romper suit. Yeah. yeah, that that I I did notice that, and I I was like, ah, I'm gonna. It's an odd outfit. It's just I, like what yeah, wearing. I, I I look. I don't know who would have wore that ever, but again, I'm not known as a fashion person at all. It's my like wife. an all-in-one. I yeah. don't know, Neotar or something. It's very odd. It makes it makes me laugh every time I yeah. see it. I recommend going and have a look. We should get pictures of us in one of those. <laughs> yes, let's do that, Andrew. <laughs> you first. What I'll do is I'll see if uh, my I'll see if our good friend Gary can Photoshop our heads on. Oh on no, two. please don't. Please don't. <laughs> All right, well, Mark, let's go ahead and we'll wrap this up. That's it for okay, Goldfinger. And we'll next thing we'll be talking about is probably uh Thunderball. Thunderball. But we also got to continue on with our history that we delved uh, diving deep into uh, more of the bond. We we stopped with uh, Roger. We never got onto Roger, so we'll we'll get into that later, and, and hopefully down the road, Mark will spend some time talking about some um, some differences in British baking. Oh my God, you and your <laughs> and uh, a proliferation of um, Hershey chocolate and sweets that I sent that are sent to you from time to time. And I'll get you tickets to go and have a look around Downton Abbey while I'm at it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, Mark. Well, I'll, I'll sign off for now. We'll see everybody later. Good to see you. Take care. Bye. Yes, sir. This has been a Touch of Madness production brought to you by the creative minds at Tommy Twins Media.